Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to show number 75 of the Jimmy Palumbo Show. That's right. I'm your host, Jimmy Palumbo. I am coming to you from downtown Los Angeles, California. That's right. The Jimmy Palumbo Show coming to you live from Mark DiCarlo and Yenny Alvarez's production studios here in beautiful Los Angeles. Now, I'm doing the show here without any of my uh, behind the glass. So now for the fourth time, I am actually, I am the glass. Uh, Usually I have Chris or Dave behind the glass, but due to some technical difficulties and me being on location, I am the glass. So you would just be hearing from me here on this show. And who knows? Maybe some people will even prefer that just to hear me um, uh, go live here. So that is the situation. (laughs) It's the Jimmy Palumbo Show with Jimmy Palumbo. All right. Show number 75. That's right. Uh, Well, number 75 is an easy one for me because I could have gone with, of course, George Martin or Keith Hamilton of the Giants, but I decided, or even Ed Tall jones another famous name from the 70s. But I, you know what? I, I, I did the Google. I did the Google. And you know what? I got to go with Deacon Jones. Um, listen, a little bit before my time when he was playing, uh, I was a young kid, but I remember in, in, you know, him in commercials and all this different stuff. Uh, first of all, he had 173 sacks. Um, he created the term sacking the quarterback. So now I know uh, Lawrence Taylor and the sack exchange with the Jets, with Gastineau and Klecko and all that uh, made the NFL count sacks. But Ed Tuto, I mean, uh, Deacon Jones, I'm getting the Joneses mixed up. Deacon Jones actually in a couple of uh, interviews talked about, you know, putting uh, all the offensive linemen in a sack and stuff like that. So that's where they got the term, term uh, sacking the quarterback. Um, another thing, he led the league in sacks five times. Not so many guys do that. He's a Hall of Famer, 14 years. Uh, you know, one of the greatest players of all time. Top 75 NFL player list. Part of the fearsome foursome. Uh, another thing I laughed at, there's a song called Deacon Blues by Steely Dan. He was the inspiration for that. And I just got, I was like, this guy, I mean, I knew, listen, my brother's going to yell at me. Um, I knew Deacon Jones was great. I mean, listen, anytime you're in the Hall of Fame, God bless America. But uh, I didn't quite realize how really good he was. And you know, you know, movie invented too, or I should say invented, first one to really use it was the head slap, where you slap the offensive line to the left or the right to get to the quarterback. So this guy is, uh, you know, <laughs> he was, he was the man, he revolutionize the position, as they say, like uh, similar to what kind of Lawrence Taylor did with this uh, half linebacker, half defensive end position. So I'm going to go with Deacon Jones, number 75. We don't have anybody else behind the glass. So maybe my other guy behind the glass would be, you know, your George Morton's, your Keith Hamilton's. I love George Morton, especially at the end of his career. Uh, he uh, he came in on third downs, those third and eighth. He was a pass rushing specialist. And he also did a wild thing. He walked across the country. He started like in San Francisco and he walked all the way to New York. Um, took him months and months. He got sick. He got attacked by wild animals. I think there's a book out about it. But I mean, you know what? I, I, George Martin decided to walk across the United States. Um, I, I think that's uh, that's something that I don't have an inspiration to do. Uh, you just don't. Uh, I, 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 I want to walk across the kitchen and get my coffee. Uh, he wanted to walk across the whole United States, uh, which I think is great. So anyway, show number 75, that's it. I want to give a big shout-out here to my Patreon uh, following, which is growing by the hour. That's right. We are up to 11. So I have 11 people in my fanship and, of course, my family that are um, inspired to go on Patreon.com and look up Jimmy Palumbo Show and sponsor my program. They are, the new ones are Mike Caprio. Uh, of course, he uh, he's part of the uh, uh, com. My nephew, Eric Palumbo. My nephew, John Henry Riccardi. 
my other nephew, Jimmy Riccardi, my buddy, James Kanowitz, who has an awesome podcast called the Fletch Cast. If anybody's into that movie, Fletch, or into Chevy Chase, you got to check out that podcast. Go check that out. And then there's Rob Pastor, an old Capacig buddy of mine who listens to the show. Shout out there. My cousin Joey, my mom, my boy Mike DeMosi uh, from Colonia, New Jersey. Shout out to him. Of course, my sister Mary Eileen and Alex Stetsena, a Ramsey boy who I play softball with and sing in his band every now and then. So those are my Patreons. Hopefully someday the Patreon list will be so long that I won't be able to recite everyone, but everybody will be getting their stuff that they sign up for. Uh, but I realize now it's I'm up to five non-family members. Still no word on my brother, Frank. Uh, he's just being a last holdout. <laughs> He'll probably be the only one to not sign up for Patreon, which is very funny. But I won't hold it against him because he does other things for me that my family members are chuckling about right now. Uh, so that's it. Please go to Patreon. Support if you like what you hear. Support it. If you just want to bust my balls, uh, go on Patreon, different tiers, and have at it. Also, please, uh, I'm involved with a whole new social media thing now. Uh, please check out on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I'm on this Koji thing. I don't even know what the hell that is. Of course, you got Facebook. There's a fan page. There's this, that, and the other thing. Uh, I'm starting to get some good posts going. I'm happy with that. Uh, and uh, shout out to my social media team that it's going really well. So, all right. I'm here in Los Angeles, but we got to talk about the Yankees real quick. Listen, I'm sick of these people. I know Dave's been one of them on Chop Sports. Don't worry. Don't panic. You know, they got a 10-game lead. My buddy here, Mark DeCarlo, is a big Cubs fan, and he's like, you Yankee fans are obnoxious. You're in first place. What are you worried about? I'm like, well, you're a Cubs fan. You you guys always suck, um, which is amazing. The Cubs won it a few years back, but the amazing thing about the Cubs is they don't make the playoffs that often, and most of the time they suck, um, whereas I, what do I always say? Like, you know, certain teams are in the league, like the Packers and uh, different teams, they, like, they, like the like – the, the Braves and Cardinals never suck. The Cubs, most of the time, now they suck. So that's a weird thing. And they got a great fan base. And Wrigley Field is awesome. But so they don't know. It's like they're not a – they're like separate from the MLB. It should be like Major League Baseball and then like the Cubs. The Cubs are like a separate thing because they – it's awesome. The Cubs, the history, but they just the, – it's, it's like an amusement park and it closes on October 1st. It's rarely open in October. Anyway. Um, so the Yankees, listen, I watch the games. They stink. Um, they're injured now. In the last 10 games, they're two and eight. Uh, they're, uh, uh, you know, they, they're playing sloppy baseball. They, they don't, uh, they just look like they, they, they play soft. They're soft. They look scared. They're playing sloppy. They're probably going to make the playoffs. But, you know, right now it's, it's a nine game, uh, uh, excuse me, eight games up in the loss column. You know, here on uh, August 17th, um, you know, look, if you watch the games, you just know there's something out of whack. Like, for instance, their closer Holmes, right? He didn't give up a run for like two and a half months. But if you read about his history, uh, he walked guys. And when he walked guys, then he had to come across the plate and he got hit. Well, in the beginning of the year, guess what? He didn't walk anybody. Now he's walking, guys, and he's getting shelled. Like, his, his ERA was always like 3, 4. So this whole thing, point oh oh nine thing, was an anomaly. Then you have, uh, you know, uh, the other – what's his name? I'm losing my mind because I'm getting aggravated. Uh, they don't have a closer. That's the bottom line. And um, that's going to be a huge problem. They're also injured. They weren't injured in the beginning. John Carlos Stanton, I said he was their best player. Everybody laughed at me. What's their record since Giancarlo's out of the lineup? Uh, I say that kidding around. Judge is clearly their best player. But, you know, you just pitch around Judge now. It's easy to do that. That guy, the Kid King, he got hurt. DJ LeMayu, he's all screwed up with his toe. Carpenter, who was the story of the year, he's, he's out now until probably the playoffs. Um, they're just a mess. And you feel it. You see it. Hicks, to me, looks like he went back on a fly ball the other night. He looked like me in a softball game. Horrible. Uh, and, you know, listen, everybody's favorite player ever, 
and the Yankees that one of the most popular players of all time is Anthony Rizzo, except for me. And I've been telling you, I think this guy stinks. And he's he's a solid two for 23 since I last did my podcast. So I think he's the most overrated player in New York. He's not the reason why they're losing, but he stinks. And I hate the fact everybody loves him. He gets like a free pass. And uh, I don't think that's fair. So that's it. My Yankees are bad. So now this next segment, of course, is sponsored by your friend and mine, Absolute Eyewear. Now, we are heading into something which I want to call Jimmy Palumbo's weight scare. We'll call it a weight scare. And here's why. I did not weigh myself this morning. Why? Because I'm in downtown Los Angeles and uh, there's no scale here. (laughs) So I have to go by how I feel, my assumptions. I, 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 I really don't know what I weigh, but I don't think it's great. I'm probably hovering in that last week. I was 198.9. I'm guessing maybe 199.5, hovering around the 200s. I don't know. So it's sponsored by, so maybe we'll just call it Jimmy's a Fat Bastards uh, segment, sponsored by Absolute Eyewear. That's right. Absolute Eyewear, 42 Main Street, Woodbridge, New Jersey, 732-326-3937. They are the best opticians in the land. They um, full optical service, the whole bit. Prescription eyewear, prescription sunglasses, non-prescription sunglasses, safety glasses, sports glasses. They got glasses for the kids. They, they do contacts. They, everything's done on site. They got, a, they got a doctor on site that comes in. They do eye exams. They got glasses for every budget, including mine. If I go there, you know they have every budget. They have the high-end stuff. They have the low-end stuff. They, uh, you get $100 off a complete pair of prescription sunglasses when you mention this podcast here at Shea. Um, been in business about 18 years, open five days a week. They're closed Wednesdays. Why, Jimmy? Talking to myself now because that was softball day. And Greg Mashaud, one of the owners, was my right center fielder. And they're closed on Sundays because the football giants are on the air. This is Jim Gordon alongside Dick Lynch. So that's why they're closed on Sundays, of course. Um, But the best thing about the place is when you go in there, when you leave and you walk out with a nice pair of glasses, you don't feel like a jerk off. By far, that's the best phrase of a business of all time. I love saying it. I think it's true. They're good people. Go there. Get your glasses. Ladies and gentlemen, the following glasses are available at absolute Eyewear, Ray-Ban, Coach, Ralph Lauren, Jimmy Choo, Silhouette, Michael Kors, Vogue, Maui Jim, Costa Del Mar, and Oakley, not Charles Oakley. That's right, they got Oakley glasses, so go check them out, Absolute Eyewear, 42 Main Street, Woodbridge. New Jersey, 732-326-3937. Give them a call. Bust their balls. Say you heard it from me and go take care of your glasses. Hopefully, Chris will get that done because he can't see anything. He's a bat. Um, and I've been I've been threatening to actually go do a segment uh, there live from the show inside the store. Well, like I said, so they do the weight thing. I really got to be honest with you. I am struggling with this weight thing. This is starting to become an issue. I don't think the fans the fans do not think I will be at the 192 by uh, September 3rd, whatever it is, the opening day, Rutgers Boston College on the road, I think is now in danger. We are only 16, 17 days away, and I think I might still have to lose six or seven pounds. I don't know if I can do it. Probably not, which is very sad. Um, and uh, I, I got to really start hitting the bag. I've been away when you're not home in your system. This is a total excuse here, of course. You just you can't get into a rhythm with weight loss. You're grabbing food. You're at someone else's house. You're on vacation, whatever you got to do. So I don't know. All fans are starting to boo. I, I might be the Joey Gallo of uh, weight loss, really. Um, of course, Joey Gallo, the Dodgers haven't lost, but he still stinks. I remember that. Or maybe I'm going to switch to the Anthony Rizzo. Um, 
I feel like, you know what I feel like? I feel like Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. It's like, it's like one of those TV shows when someone leaves the show and then someone takes over as the role and they don't tell the audience and the next season just comes on and there's like a different person playing the character and nobody says anything. I think, uh, so Rizzo is the new Gallo. Uh, and now all of them could be the new Jimmy Palumbo because I am not losing the weight as I told my audience I would. That's depressing. All right, so I'm here in Los Angeles. Why? A lot of things going on. Um, First of all, I got here Thursday, had a really nice show at the Ha Ha Comedy Club in North Hollywood, California, on Lancashire. A friend of mine I met doing a show in Carteret, those of you scoring at home. Uh, this guy named Jack Jr. actually owns the club, and he promised he would get me some dates there, and he did. Um, and it was cool. It's a really cool club. It used to be really small and shitty 20 years ago, but they made it a really, really nice club. Um I had my friend Tina was there, my buddy Pat Volkmer, who's been on the show. He was there. My nephew was there. Uh, my buddy uh, uh, Murph showed up, uh, to, uh, uh, which was really cool. And I, uh, I had a really, really good set. I was proud of myself. I hadn't been on stage in Los Angeles in a long time. And I went up there and I played well. I was a little annoyed at the end. They told me I had a certain amount of time. And I had it on my watch when to get off. And the host, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to bash anybody, but he, he didn't do all that great. And he gave me the light, which is fine. That's what happens in stand-up. But then he gave me, like, a second light as if, like, you got to get off now. And I did acknowledge it. And so I, the end, like, the last 10 seconds of the set was shitty because the way it ended. So I was very unhappy about that. But I was solid. I was solid. I got a ton of laughs, which I was really happy with. And uh, it felt good to get back up on stage and, you know, rip a double down the line, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, hey, you can't complain. It was a good one. Also, it was August 11th, which is a little bit of a sad date for me because my dear roommate, the guy I rented from for 10 years when I lived in Los Angeles, um, which was uh, really Valley Village, California, otherwise known as North Hollywood, NoHo. Uh, Henry Pollock II, that was the, it's the ninth anniversary of his death. Um, I really, I feel bad. I, I, I love this guy, man. He was such a good guy. He was very good to me. He uh, charged me a reasonable amount of rent. He had a really nice uh, townhouse. It was clean. It was, uh, it was, it was quiet. It was really nice. We, we developed a really nice friendship. He was on the show Webster, played the secretary. He was, any, any old school people, if you saw his face, you'd know him. He was also on like $10,000 Pyramid a hundred times. Tons of game shows. It was on Password. Um, he introduced me to um, people like Betty White uh, and a guy named Bob Stewart who actually invented uh, uh, The Price is Right and like uh, other major game shows, including $10,000 Pyramid. Um, and uh, the inventor of that game said that Henry was the best player, uh, you know, celebrity player. Uh, he, they ever had on the show, which was cool. And uh, Henry, yeah, I, like I said, I lived with him for a, a long time in L.A. Um, he ended up getting cancer. He just died too young. Uh, he was about 20 years older than me. I guess he would be around 77 now. So he died at like 67, something like that. Uh, 66, I forget what it was. Doesn't matter. But I miss you, Henry. And a uh, big shout out to his sister, Luann, uh, who's still around in Arizona. And uh, Henry was a good dude, and uh, it was done a lot of TV shows, and I learned a lot from him about uh, being in showbiz, trying to handle getting older, which I am now in showbiz. I remember I was younger when I moved in, and I said, wow, he's struggling now in showbiz, doesn't have as many bookings as he used to. And I said, oh, I'll never be like that. You know, I'm going to be a star. And here I am, you know, 20 years later, and uh, doing a podcast uh, without a host due to a uh, communication issue. We'll have to discuss that on next week's show. Um, so I, I, he really taught me about what it's like to be on top of the hill and then slide down the backside. And, uh, but I miss you, Henry. Love you. So listen, I'm staying in a really cool place. Um, my friend Mark DiCarlo has been very good to me. We met on the set of The X Show, which was an early show on uh, FX Network uh, back in 1998 or 99, I think it was. And um, – 
we did a pilot together, four people on the show. It was kind of like a men's version of The View. And uh, I thought I did a great job on the pilot. And the pilot got picked up. And they did not go with me. They they replaced me with people that had no showbiz experience. That's what they were going with. They also went with the – how do I word this without getting in trouble? Um, they wanted a little more colors in the rainbow. And since Mark DiCarlo is Italian and I'm Italian, he's from Chicago, I'm from New York, they decided to put a just an athlete on and uh, someone who'd never been on TV. They were trying to get regular people. And uh, But the joke is I became good friends with Mark right really when we shot the pilot. And my manager told me that the reason why they didn't, they didn't select me was because Mark wanted me fired. And meanwhile, while he told me that, I was in Mark's kitchen. I'm like, I'm standing right next to him. What are you talking about? Like on speakerphone, uh, Mark uh, Mark rallied for me heavy to keep the job, but um, and I knew he was uh, not lying because about eight months later we did another pilot with one of the producers and I was involved with it. So, um, but a shout out to Mark and his wife Yeni Alvarez, I call Princess Yeni. They have a really cool house up here in the Hollywood Hills. She's got this. What I'm doing this show now is from a there's a big voiceover booth they created in their backyard. It's really cool. Um, and she's one of the uh, top uh, voiceover artists in L.A. with tons of stuff she does in the Spanish market. And she was a sitcom star 20 years ago when she was younger on, uh, I think, Univision or one of those shows, so she's got experience there. But Mark, of course, was the voice of the dad on Jimmy Neutron, and he was also the host of that show, Studs. So uh, we've been friends a long time, a lot of ball-breaking. And I also was the 60th birthday party, which we did in downtown San Pedro. We did some voiceover um, stuff down there. And it was cool. Mark's friends are really crazy. A lot of voiceover people, a lot of host people down there, a lot of production people. Just a really uh, slice of L.A. life of um, Chicago and East Coast people that are fun. And especially Megan Cavanaugh, who I met a few times. If you don't know her, you do know her. Number one, she's the voice of the mother of Jimmy Neutron. She's also Marla Hooch on League of Their Own. She's the one who really was the good hitter. Her dad brings her down. She hits bombs all the time. She is a really cool chick. A lot of laughs, a lot of fun. She's got a million stories in showbiz. She's uh, she's also been uh, on the touring show of the musical Menopause, which is toured in every city and every state in the union. She's been doing that for 20 years. Um, so shout out to Megan. We had a ton of laughs. Um, we have similar stories, you know, auditioning and bookings and we're telling all, you know, we sat around the campfires, they say, with everybody telling stories and she made me laugh. Um, I also had a big audition. I don't want to say the name of it, something I'm right for. It's one of those things, you know, I'm a realist, I guess, with showbiz. Everybody talks about the journey. you got to enjoy the journey and the process. Uh, you know, I'm 57 years old. You know what it is? When someone kicks it out with six seconds to go and you're out, you're down by two and you, you, you know, you, you're wide open at the three-point line, you got to make those shots. There's no, like, in and out and that'll do it here from the Omni final score, the uh, showbiz 99, Jimmy Palumbo 97. No. When you when someone kicks it out to you for a big three at a game shot, you got to hit it. Boom. Final score, 101 to 100. Paloma with a huge three. Otherwise, you miss it. Nobody cares. It's a home run derby business. You got to book, instead of booking the job that pays $2,000 for the day, you got to hit the one that turns out to be recurring on a really cool show. You know, I always, I always tell people, and, and now I'm just complaining. Now I am an old man. Get off my lawn. It's, it's no big deal, but it's like you can book certain jobs. Really cool. I love them all. Uh, but how about booking uh, – how about this conversation, say, three years ago, right? Me going, yeah, I booked this role. I play, I play one of the dads. It's kind of recurring. It's some show. I don't know. It might be on next. It's called Stranger Things. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen to it. We shot it six months ago. We'll see what happens. Next thing you know, Stranger Things is the biggest show on TV. God bless America. Oh, you're the guy on Stranger Things. Or, you know, think about all the TV shows that are on now. You know, ah, it's a little show. I don't know. It's called Breaking Bad. It's about a guy, a teacher. A lot of these shows start off that way. And next thing you know, they're in everybody's vocabulary uh, uh, in the United States. And then you get known from that show. It's really that simple. 
So you got to hit a home run in big spots. This audition, I think, is one of those that, you know, listen, and it, it doesn't have to be 500 feet, too. You know, 316 down the line, hits off the pesky pole, whatever it is. And, you know, good evening, everybody. Jimmy Plumble is live here. So you want to hit home runs in big spots. That's, that's the way it is. Um, and I do enjoy the singles and doubles of showbiz. But, you know, you know I'm, due, I'm due now. I feel like I'm swinging the bat well. I'm due to hit one deep. I need a Giancarlo Stanton bomb um, with, uh, with exit velocity. Instead of hitting the chopper to short, checks the stitch, fives across the diamond, just like that. We got one away. Um, so that was cool. And I, I got to give a shout out to my good friend, Jennifer Vincent. She's an actress. She had a whole setup in her house with the lights and this and the painted walls for the background. It was awesome. And I feel weird about it because I met her when she was 22 years old. She was a rookie uh, in Los Angeles. And uh, it's really weird to watch someone. She was like uh, stepped off the boat. And my roommate, Henry Pollock, said, hey, can you – she's from Florida. I have a friend from Florida State. Can you, like, help her out? And, you know, next thing I see her, I was older. I think I was 38 or something like that, 39. She was 22. Beautiful, beautiful girl. And she just listened to everything I said. You know, I said, listen, the only thing I do is tell you what I did, tell you what I think. And just follow me around, and I'm going to introduce you to all the people that I know here, and maybe you'll get to know them. And I knew she was young, and she had a real wholesome kind of Irish red hair look, you know. And I knew, I was like, your time is right now. You know, you're a young girl, you got a nice little look about you. You, you should play right now. And she pretty much, I don't know, she pretty much did everything I told her to do. And she built up her resume little by little, and now she's been acting for 20 years. Um and she hosts, she does, she's got a commercial on now, I think for Cheetos or Fritos or something. Uh, she's totally ingrained in the, you know, Hollywood community. She's got agents and managers and, you know, she's not a star or anything, but, you know, neither am I. So she's a uh, book's work and makes a living in showbiz. And at the end of the day, um, that's what it's all about. So I hope she books uh, a major show and becomes a big star because then, I'll play like maybe the grandfather who's, you know, wearing adult diapers in the background. And I'll make a few dollars off of her hit show. That's what we want. Also, I got to give another shout out out here. Um, obviously, I saw my boy Pat Volkmer. I saw my buddy Eddie Driscoll uh, over at the Foxfire Lounge. I didn't run into my buddy Mark yet who owns the place. That was my bar I went to at the end of the night sometimes. Uh, it was only about 100 yards from the place I used to stay at. It was my uh, my cheers, and uh, I met some of the people that used to go in there. Whenever I come to L.A., I always duck in there, and I say hello to everybody. It's a nice – I'm glad it's still open. There's still some old-timers in there. It's, it's nice to have a place to go grab a beer and say, hey, Jimmy, you're back. How you doing? Um, but I got to give a shout-out to my boy, Jack Layton, who's a, a big-shot agent over at APA. Um, his dad's uh, not doing so well. Uh, got some serious health issues, and I know what that's like. I went through it with my dad, and uh, his dad was a cool dude, too. Old school guy, and his, uh, his mom's a really cool lady. Um, and uh, I know he's in the hospital. He's not doing well, so I thought some prayers, and I hope everything goes the way it's supposed to go um, for Jack and his dad and his mom and all that stuff. So shout out to my boy, Jack Layton, um, and that's the way that goes. So it's really weird. I got a lot of, like, you know, sad things. You know, my buddy Jack's dad, my Henry Pollock. But I don't mean it. I mean to be inspirational. That I hope everything goes their way. However way they need it to go, or the good Lord decides that's how it's going to go. Now, a weird thing happened last night. Now, I did stand up Thursday. I was nervous about it. You know, I did the ha-ha. It's kind of a nightclub. So I asked them. They were they were like, Jimmy, we got some gigs for you. And I was like, oh, that's cool, man. I knew I was going to get gigs the rest of the trip. I just didn't know where and when. Well, I got one. And it was at a place called The Dime, The Dime Bar on Fairfax. And uh, it's a dive bar. And I was like, uh-oh. And this is, I was like, this is going to be one of those places. I did this 20 years ago. Weird comics. Nobody's paying attention. It makes you feel like she, it's a complete opposite of absolute eyewear. At these kind of places, you feel like a jerk off when you leave. Um, so I was like, so I got there. The show was eight o'clock and I put the word out. Matter of fact, on the flyer, those of you scoring at home, there was like three hot chicks and my fat ass. 
so I was like, oh, here we go. So, and I thought it was just four comics. I didn't know the setup. I couldn't have, really have anybody to ask. So it's just the way it was. So I, uh, I went there at 7.30. Figured, let me get there a half hour before. Uh, and when I walked in, I'm like, I used to go to this bar years ago after softball. Um, and I was like, I remember this place. And it is a dive bar. Only holds, you know, there's like four or five tables, maybe eight seats at the bar. But it had like a DJ in the corner. The place was very small. Uh, there's really someone else's Foxfire, but right in the middle of downtown Los Angeles. And not the real downtown. I say that really it's the uh, mid mid LA as they call it. Um, and I walked in and there's no one in there but the bartender. And I'm like, hey, is there stand up? She goes, oh yeah, there sure is. And in the corner, all I did was saw a, a crate uh, where people stand on. I said, oh, here we go. But it's right across the street from Cantor's. It's a famous uh, diner deli in LA. It's been there for a hundred years. And some of my friends were meeting there to grab a bite and then coming over. And uh, I said, oh, man. So I walked back over to them across the street. And I said, guys, I don't know what this is going to be like. And so I was nervous. I was like, I really, you know, I did this. I, it's one of those rooms where I, I felt like, oh, man, I'm gonna, this is going to be horrible. Uh, it's going to make my trip end on a you know, weird note. So uh, the next thing you know, I went back at around 5 to 8. And then there was five or six people in there. And then literally every minute, two or three people started to show up. And it was, finally, it got like kind of packed. You know, I was like, all right, at least there's people here. And it looks like they're not all comics, which is a cool thing. So I asked this one comic as he was making notes. I said, hey, I'm supposed to do this show here. Who, who do I talk to? You know, um, and the guy goes, oh, talk to him, the guy over there. So I shook his hand. And I said, hey, man, I'm Jimmy Palumbo. What's going on? And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Jimmy, I told you. I, you know, I thought um, uh, somebody told me that you, you were going to be here. Nice to meet you. And next thing you know, the show starts, and it's packed. What a really cool vibe. I was like, all right. But it was like some of those hip and cool comedians, you know, they go up, they're all young, and they got the sideburns, they don't shower. But it was weird. All the girl comedians were hot as hell. I was like, this is crazy. You know, nobody looked like B. Arthur or a young Rosie O'Donnell. Um, every, you know, every, everybody looked, it was, it was like a nice comedy night. And of course, cool thing was my boy, Frank Sebastiano, who is the director and writer of Beer League. So my Beer League fans in the house, the writer and director of the movie showed up. I haven't seen him in a long time. We talk a little bit on the phone, but he's great to see him. He shows up now. I'm like, oh, great. Hope I don't shit the bed in front of him, you know. Um, and so the show started, and the guy, I went over, what am I going on? He's like, well, you know, you're going on towards the end, which was clearly, clearly I was like, you know, Brett Gardner last year, just an add-on. Um, and the comedians, it was a good night of comedy. People were getting laughs. And I thought, oh, man, is my regular style of comedy going to, you know, is this going to be, they were they were talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll and stuff. And I'm like, am I going to go up there talking about social media and, and Walgreens? How's this going to play? And um, I was actually probably the oldest guy in the room. I was the oldest comic by far. All of a sudden, I feel like, you know, I feel like you, you, you immediately feel like Burgess Meredith and Rocky. You know, come on, Rock, you know, got to eat lightning and crop thunder. Uh, and I'm like, this is like, I'm so old. What am I doing here? You know, so I, I got like almost a really weird feeling. I was like, Jimmy, you know, don't don't panic, you know, just, just stick to it. So I uh, I grabbed the microphone and uh, I just started uppercutting. And I, you know, uh, I guess there was 12, 13 comics, maybe even 15. Um, I, you know what? I, I was probably in the top two. Uh, I did well again. You know, I don't know. I hate when comics say they kicked ass, but I can tell by the reaction. I had some uh, comic friends in the audience that, um, you know, gave me affirmation. Listen, you know, you did well. I listened to the audio. You get laughs, so you know. Um, so I was very happy with it. But the greatest thing was when you first go on stage, nobody knows who you are. And all these comics that do that room every night or every week, I should say, they're all like, it's like being in their living room. And, I remember this from when I used to have rooms that I did 
where I was the regular at a room that nobody cares about, you get comfortable and you think like, oh, you know, you're so good. You're so good. And then somebody comes in and you're like, oh, I'm not that good. And that happens to me all the time where you end up, uh, even when I headline, I'll bring in a middle guy and I'm like, oh my God, the middle guy's way better than me. It just is my show. So he has to be the 30 minute guy, not the 45 minute guy. And uh, I could see people facing, they were like, who's this jerk off of New Jersey coming in uppercutting everybody? And um, it was cool. It was a good night. I had some really good improvs in the beginning of my set to, to kind of a uh, little, little bit of a mock on LA and, and stand up rooms. And I, I, I really, I had a good set. What do I want to tell you? So I was two for two with sets in LA. Um, I don't know what it is. I'm, I don't know if my standup is, um, it's getting, I feel like it's getting better. And I don't really know why. I, I, a lot of my material, I've been doing a long time. Like the meat and potatoes of my standup, I think, is the same as it's been, I don't know. Uh, for so, uh, 20 years. But I guess now either I'm more comfortable on stage or maybe I don't give a shit anymore. I always had that attitude that every show is life. Like every show is a playoff game. And somebody could see me in the audience. And, but I, I don't do that anymore, I guess. Or it's I don't know if it's just all coming together for me. Um, I'm starting to improv. Uh, and I'm starting to add some family material in. and uh, I don't know. I, people are telling me different reasons why they think my standup's getting better. Um, I'm not really sure why I, I do. I always prep before and I, I keep a big book and I go through, you know, I don't do standup every night. I would, uh, but you know, some of the gigs pay very little. Some pay very well. I just picked up a gig on September 26th. I just picked up a gig on September 10th and I just, um, I got a little hosting gig on September 11th doing uh, for the Southern Cross Band Reunion down at the Osprey in Manasquan, uh, which is right next to Leggett's, which is uh, near and dear to my heart. But I'm starting to pick up all these gigs, which is cool. Um, and I got a gig on November 1st uh, in, um, in Ohio with my buddy Rick Antonori. So I don't know what it is. Maybe I get maybe I'm doing a little more. Maybe I'm structuring. I don't know. Um, I'll have to figure, I don't, either way, I don't care. <laughs> I'm doing, I seem to be getting, I'm hitting my stride a little bit. Um, and we'll see uh, if I can continue to grow. I know I can headline. I know I can physically be up there for 45 to 50 minutes. Do I have a perfect set? You know, I definitely run into turbulence, maybe around minute 33. You know, that's when the, that's when the seatbelt light comes on. But I land the plane. Uh, but I've always landed the plane at each level, 7 to 10. 20 to 25. I always land the plane. Maybe, maybe only five or six times. Um, was it, uh, you know, CNN report. There are no survivors. I've had a couple of explosions over the Atlantic where, uh, you know, the set, everybody died. Um, but I somehow I land the plane. Um, but of course when I land a plane, sometimes <laughs> the fire department's out there spraying the foam in case there's an accident. So I've had some landings like that. I assure you. But it's going well. I'm happy about it. Um, and let's see. I, I really want to start adding more different kinds of material to my set. And uh, and hopefully I'll be able to, I don't know, maybe I'll shoot a little special one of these days. I'll get a crew and we'll shoot an hour special. I'll do two shows wearing the same shirt. And, um, and we'll go from there. So uh, I got some handshakes after the show which I could tell people were like, hey, really nice job. And one guy wanted to know who I was. And he took down my number. Another guy was a director of commercials and he wanted to know who I was, blah, blah, blah. But it was cool. Um, and if you ever go to LA, there's this deli called Cantor's on Fairfax. You got to check it out. It is so, it reeks of, of old school. I don't even know, there's places, these are the kind of places that close. It has the big lighting on top, Cantor's. I mean, this is like a place where like, you know, Bogart ate at. It's one of those places. Um, good coleslaw. You get pastrami. And I never thought the food was that great in L.A., but these kind of foods, they do really well. You got to go check that place out if you're ever here. Um, it's really, really cool. So that was it on that aspect. Now, I did notice a couple of people were playing cornhole out here, which brings me to my Patreon sponsor, Mike Caprio's 
cornholelevel.com. That's right. When you go to cornholelevel.com, you purchase a leveler for your cornhole board in your backyard. This thing levels the angle, the two, the fro, the back, the whole thing. You just clip this thing onto the hole, move the thing around, boom. Perfect, legal, absolute, by the rules, levels your cornhole table in the backyard. If you're one of those guys that throws up a cornhole in the backyard and it's not the right level, guys like me who actually don't like playing cornhole because in 20 minutes I'm as good as anybody there, um, you, you it's like embarrassing. It's too flat. It's too much about an angle. This covers it all. And if you go to cornholelevel.com and the promo code JP Show, you'll get 20% off. Also, you put in Chop Sports and you get 20% off your entire order here at Shea. It's only $19.95. Go check it out. It's a perfect stocking stuffer. It's a perfect ball-breaking gift because, like, you, you show up at a party and a guy's got cornhole and, and you look, you can go like, wait a minute, wait a minute here from the Omni. These boards are not legal. Let me put my cornhole level on it. And you get like, it's almost like a guaranteed 20-minute set of ball-breaking while you're having your beer uh, and clip it on. It works on all the boards. It's these things are small, almost looks like a size of a um, of an iWatch kind of deal. You drop it on the board, boom. So cornholelevel.com, they're one of my sponsors, and uh, my buddy Mike Caprio, who's now a Patreon here, at getting involved. Um, and so I thank him uh, for more ways. And this is a cool little product. I hope he sells the hell out of them. I really do. So go check it out, cornholelevel.com, and also Absolute Eyewear. My two sponsors, uh, their uh, absolute eyewear, of course, has been the veteran sponsor here at Shea. Uh, so that's that. Now, this this captain show, uh, we have to discuss this. Um, I, I I dug the first episode, right? And the second one, I, I kind of like, I was like, you know what? This is getting boring to me. I don't know why. I just did. I was never, listen, I love Jeter. But I wasn't a Jeter guy. Like, some people are they named their dog Jeter. They named their dog Derek. Some people named their kid Derek because of him. I would probably go with Derek Trucks on the Allen Brothers. But um, but I, I love Jeter. But I, I wasn't like over the top about him. I was more like a Ruben Sierra, Cecil Fielder. Everybody who knows me knows through the history of the Yankees, especially since Jeter. I was a big Reggie guy when I was a kid. I like the flawed Yankees, you know, that come in, like your John Carlos and stuff like that. Um, and uh, guys like Mel Hall. Ruben Sierra, um, and uh, who's the guy? Lo- Love David Justice when he came to the Yankees, and uh, these guys were just hitting big bombs all over the place in key spots in the playoff. Uh, but I got to admit, the episode three and four started to come around, and I really started to enjoy it. Um, one of the things that I don't like about these shows, though, and the same thing happened to me with. Uh, with the Jordan, it's set up just like the Jordan thing. Jeter's sitting in a chair, and he's commenting on all this stuff. The, I guess they, they, they have they have a time issue, but I don't like when they're discussing a series or a game. And a lot of times, like, you know, even when the Yankees were winning playoff series, they show you that they'll talk about the game, and next thing you know, they, they'll flash the score of game three or game two, and – It'll you know like like the Twins or the Rangers teams we beat a lot in the playoffs over the years, but they won't show you that the the score was three to two, two to one. Some of the games against the Red Sox in two thousand three and two thousand four were like very very close. The Met World Series games, like the Mets were in every one of those games, and sometimes they they give you the big picture of the series. But man, as a fan, you're like, yeah, one base hit in the fifth inning different series. I guess they can't cover it like that. Um, I hated that's why I hated the Jordan thing because they glossed over the Knicks. Like Jordan should have been, instead of being cocky, Jordan should have been like, Hey, you know, we were better than the Knicks, but we were never up by more than five in any game in the whole series ever. And about eight of the games came down to the last possession and the Knicks missed the shot. Like I would respect that more. Like to me, it's like we were, you know, the Yankees could have gotten beaten many times. And also the Yankees actually had some big hits late as well. And then you had Mariano. And a few times Mariano blew the save. But even the way he blew the save was never – it was very rarely that it just got shelled 
like seven hits in a row and the game was over. It was always like a bunt, a walk, a throwing error by him, uh, a, a bloop, the, the Diamondback series. I mean, uh, I was actually in Los Angeles when that happened. It was, you know, the infield was in, the guy hit a, a broken bat and flipped over Jeter and the game was over. Um, but a shout out to them. Diamondbacks won at fair and square. Uh, but uh, so I, I just, that kind of thing, but it is cool to reminisce. And I actually now I got to, I have one or uh, two episodes left. I'm actually in a rhythm now. And I think Jeter's being fairly honest um, a little bit about how yeah, he was a private person. He gave the media nothing, which I think anybody coming up should watch this show and say, listen, give, why give the media power especially in new york when you got 45 microphones in your face if you play for the texas rangers it's like three guys playing cards from the media and shoving a microphone you play in new york you've got radio stations msg yes network the long island newsday everybody's up your ass with microphones and they're looking for a headline and jeter never gave it to him good for him that's the way to go uh it wasn't really a partier he did a little bit but he wasn't like you know he really stood out of trouble most of the time and uh, I always tell the story with Jeter. My dad, Jeter had 3,200 hits or something like that, 31. I don't even know. But my father, when Jeter had about 2,300 hits, already had won all the rings and he was a star, clearly on his way to the Hall of Fame. I'm sitting with my dad on the couch and Jeter got like his second hit in a row. <laughs> my father's like, hey, Jerry, let me tell you something. This kid Jeter can hit. I <laughs> dad. He's got 2,300 hits. The hell are you talking about? Of course. He goes, no, no, no. People don't understand. This guy can hit. I'm like, all right, Dad. Way to, way to discover Jeter in year 13, um, which is too funny. So I always tell my friends that. Thanks, kid can hit. Um, so uh, it was cool. It, it's, a good, it's a good show. Highly recommend doing it, uh, watching it, I mean. I have one more uh, show to do, um, uh, to, to watch one more episode of Better Call Saul which is on my DVR. I might actually watch it tonight uh, at DeCarlo's house here because he didn't watch the last one either. It started Monday night. We're a little delayed on my show due to issues with Chop Sports Cable and me with the time difference and all that crap. It became a pain in the ass. Um, so I look forward to better call Saul for sure. I also took a glance at the, um, the documentary Woodstock 99. Wow. Just Wow. I did not realize. Uh, I remember the one in '94. The Almonds were really good. Almond uh, Brothers played that one. Uh, I was down the Jersey Shore watching it, but the one in '99—what a nightmare! Oh my God, the young kids setting fire to stuff and all angry and drinking and just running the you know, just a different. It was not peace and love. It was like rape, sex, rock and roll, fire. Um, terrible, terrible. Every kid looks like a jerk off, if you ask me. Um, so, uh, that, but that documentary is certainly wild to watch. I highly recommend doing that. Um, so that was cool. The other thing is about here in Los Angeles, I needed to rent a car. And I went to this uh, site called kite.com, K Y T E. They're only in a certain amount of cities, uh, which is cool. And, um, they're cheaper than a car rental. You, you, I rented it at LAX. I landed. They, they have a site off campus there, but not too far. And you literally take one of these buses uh, for another parking lot or other parking structure. They must cut a deal with these things. And you put in, there's a guy waiting in the parking lot. It's all done over the app. You, you hand you a, a key and you go away. So like, it's like other, it's a, it's a car rental, but I think someone else owns the car. So it's like Uber, but you're the driver of your, your own car. Hell of a lot cheaper than anywhere else. Uh, I'll, I'll know uh, tomorrow morning when I, I'm headed back um, that how, how good the transition is and whether or not I get, you know, build another hundred dollars. Um, but uh it's cool. It's kite.com. They're not a sponsor. It's just something I wanted to, you know, say, hey, look at the risks on Ronnie Gant. Um, but I also just found out a half hour ago that um, my buddy Mark actually needs a guy to play softball. So I am actually back in the Los Angeles League after a pretty long uh, time off. Um, 
I will be wearing the band mojo uniform. Now, I brought the shirt back here in a ceremony because I realized, what am I doing with the beautiful uniforms? on there? They spent a lot of money on them. It's called Bad Mojo. I realized I was keeping it in my apartment in Jersey, but it should be out here in case he needs I know when you run a team, you need extra jerseys. New guy comes, you give him the jersey. So I actually returned to him my number 44 jersey. But um, I will be wearing it tonight. And, uh, and, of course, I will be waking up early in the morning and headed back to New Jersey, which I'm looking forward to getting back home. And uh, I can't wait to see my daughter. And a shout out to my daughter who got like a callback on her Nutcracker show audition, um, which is very exciting for us. So Natalie, I love you. And it's great that you did well on your dance auditions. And I can't wait to hear. I guess I might be playing a dad in the show again, if, if they ask me. Um, but uh, hopefully she'll have a little bit of a bigger part, which would be fun. And that is that. So uh, that's it. You know what? I think I'm just going to end my show. It's uh, We're about 50 minutes in, so that's fine. There was no Chris or Dave. Um, no liaison program here. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if the show's better or worse with me just talking. Uh, I'm in a new room, a new booth. Uh, I, I different microphones. I don't really know how this sounds. But it's just me doing the show, talking to you guys. I appreciate all the Patreon. Um, please sign up. I could use more. It'd be great. I appreciate all my friends in LA that showed up for my stand-up shows. I appreciate all the people that are booking me in this stand-up, which is cool. Um, JimmyPalumbo.com, official Jimmy Palumbo on Instagram and Facebook. Sign up for all that junk. Check out the Chop, Sport, Chop Sports Daily Show. Um, and uh, I'm going to start talking a little bit more about Rutgers football, but I'll wait for the week before. I'm actually going to their practice this Sunday. I, I might be able to go. I think I'm going anyway with my brother, which would be cool. I'll get a little bit insight there. And that is it, my friends. Um, I love you all, and thanks for your support. And uh, you know what? I will see you next week with a very special guest. Mm-hmm.